Welcome back, Pubcasters. On this episode, we get to know Arturo Buenajara, Music Row legend and owner of Little Louder Music. We get into his early history, his perspective of A&R, and we tap into how Little Louder does things a little differently. Here we are, starting your own publishing company, A Little Louder. And uh, how long ago did you start? Like nine years ago now? Nine years. Nine years ago. Well, one of the things I admire so much about your career is that you're you're very artist driven, I think. And one of the things I've really uh, admired again is it's your ability to really work with artists. So I want to touch on that. We'll talk about a little louder as well. But I'm just really curious, man. Did you intentionally set out to always work with artists? I know you have writers as well, but man, mm-hmm. your your string of successes with artists, finding those talents that are still viable in this market and new ones that are coming into the market is extraordinary. I, um, I at least look at it that way. So Thanks. what what is it that attracts you to artists and how do you know? How do you know? I, you're going to probably tell me it's your gut and I, I hate that answer, but you yeah, got Yeah, you know, I feel like I get that. People are like, how did you know? And uh, to answer the first part of your question, I got put on the staff at uh, at Sony at a time. I was the nighttime tape room kid, you know, out of college. So I made cassettes basically at night for the pluggers to pitch the next day. Uh, you know, if it, if it had been two years later, that job wouldn't even exist because we started using CDs and you didn't have to do it in real time and stuff. But as you know, uh, that's kind of the the breaking in ground for publishing and stuff. And you learn the catalog and stuff. And, uh, I was very fortunate that a little less than a year of doing that, they put me on staff and I had, I'd placed a song or two and hustled and was, you know, I did my best to make the bosses notice me. And Sony was kind of struggling a little bit at the time. Creatively, we were really living off of the production company Don Cook ran and he was the biggest producer in town and he was cutting pretty much on almost exclusively Sony songs. So Sony was number one for the 20 years before I got there. And it was number one pretty much for the 15 after I got there. It should always be number one, in my opinion. It's the Yankees of publishing. ORG's doing pretty good. Yeah, they're going to stay on they, top, I think. Man. Rusty's kicking ass over there. I'm super excited and pumped for him. So I got, I got hired, or, you know, I, I became a plugger, you know, I got, you know, I was pumped up. I got the office at the big place. I was feeling pretty good about myself. And as you can imagine in those scenarios, uh, the group of people that I would be the point person on, everyone had to give up a few people. Well, people don't, didn't say, Hey, you want Tom Douglas? You know? So I basically got everyone that was on the cusp of being dropped and uh, in our first writer review meeting where those things take place, I looked at my group and uh, we had just dropped a guy named Brett Beavers, uh, who we had absorbed through a joint venture. And I made a plea to keep Brett for, you know, I was like, look, I just think this guy's really good. If I could ask for one person that I could pick, I'd like it to be Brett. And Donna Hilly, who was the boss at Sony, said, okay. You know, in that year, we got a couple of cuts, you know, a couple of good cuts. And uh, and I signed I signed my first writer I ever signed was Derek Rattan. And Derek got a deal pretty much not even really through me. He just got a deal at Lyric Street. I didn't shop it around or anything. It wasn't time, but uh, people heard about him. They're into it. And, you know, I was getting a lot of pats on the back. 
And the guy's a writer. He's going to write all of his songs, you know, and when you're at a big company, they're all going to say it's a big team, but you got to take care, you know, you got to get cuts. That's the deal. That's what we're great. We're great at all. So, so Derek's career, as we know, did work it. He's gone on to have quite a successful writing career, but for you at the time, he was not a successful He uh, was not a successful artist, artist. Uh, but in the... Uh, in my efforts to make the deal a good deal, you know, it was never a bad deal. Um, I continued to work him as a songwriter and I put him and Brett, uh, who I, uh, kept on, uh, together with Dirks, a young kid that I had signed. And, uh, and the first thing they did was write, what was I thinking? Nice little song. Did I write for you? Yes, it did. Did you? Did he? He didn't have a deal when you signed him. You developed him and then got him his his record deal as as well. Correct. Yes, I almost got fired for that. <laughs> you know, until you said that, I had forgotten about that. I remember there being a little rumor about that. Do you, do you care to share that story on public access sure. radio? <laughs> I uh, we brought uh, I brought Dirks in. Woody Bomar was my boss. Uh, in the creative department. We had acquired a company called Little Big Town that was owned and operated by Woody Bomar and Carrie O'Neill. Um, when we made that purchase, Woody came on and became the head of creative and Woody and Donna are the ones that brought me on, um, on staff. I brought Dirks in and we took him to cook for Tree Productions uh, to see if he was interested in it. And he was, and he liked Dirks and I would check in with, with Dirks. He'd come in and check in with me and stuff, but I was kind of like, it was, that was Don and his guy's baby. And about six or seven months went by and Dirks came into my office and I was like, how's it going? And he's like, man, I haven't done anything. Like what's nothing's happening. I write songs. I take them in and they just tell me to keep writing songs. And I was like, well, let me book some stuff for you. And, see what happens. And I went to Beave. Beave is like my kind of songwriter. Um, I didn't know that at the time, but looking back, I, I see similarities, but, uh, I told Beave, I said, Hey man, write some songs with this guy. Uh, there's something to him, and let's do a demo session. See if we can figure out what we're doing. So we did. And I ran around and shopped him around for a deal and I got two offers and Don was not very happy about it because I, I guess in his eyes, I'd kind of taken it from him. And so his guy, Alex was always, and you remember Alex, he's like, Oh, you're big trouble, man. You're in big trouble. And I had to go up to Donna's office and I was like, look, if I get fired for getting a kid a record deal, then this is a bad deal. Cause Don laid into me. I still have never been chewed out. Like I was chewed out in. The young kids don't know what those characters were like. I've had Stroud lay into me back at, when he was my boss. That's not a pleasant feeling. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, like it was early days. You know, I had my little flip phone and I got a call from him at the office and he yelled at me the whole way home. I still got home, walked up and down my driveway. I was still getting yelled at. But Donna protected me, for lack of a better term. Dirk's got a deal. We had a number one out of the box. It was uh, very gratifying. And so that kind of 
in your mind, is that where you really started linking artists or kind of the, the avenue? Because um, I know everybody works a little different, but my observation, my 30,000 foot view of watching your career was this guy knows artists. This guy understands artists and knows how to sign artists and develop them, which is even harder. Is that kind of where that's you, you started seeing that in yourself as well? Well, I got I, I certainly gained confidence when I put and like they were all my guys, you know, like on a little island a little bit within the bigger system. You know, it was Beave and Dirks and Derek and kind of my team. Um, and I think it had been it had been a while since anyone came in and made some noise over it at Sony or just at that time, I was incredibly fortunate with my timing. Um, so I certainly gained some confidence, like, you know, I can do it. And, and when that happens, so this will lead into, this is a, maybe a long, but it's a funny story. But one day the, uh, the intercom goes off and it's Donna asking me to come up to her to her office. Just she wouldn't call you. She'd just get on the intercom. Be like, <laughs> Good old come, school. Come Kids probably don't know what an intercom is anymore, but yeah. And uh, so I go up there and she is on the phone with Joe Galani and he's on speaker. And she's like, I got him right here. I'm sure. She's like, you took, you took Dirks over to RCA, didn't you? And I said, no, ma'am. And she goes, oh, you didn't. Why not? Her and Joe were tight. And I said, um, I would have, but we got the offers first, and that's where I thought it would be the best spot for them. And she goes, hmm, okay. She goes, well, Joe, you're right. You didn't you didn't get to see him, but I'll make sure. She's like, will you tell him right now the he'll be the first person you take the next artist to? And I said, yes, ma'am. I was like, Joe, I will, if, you know, next time I do this, I will. the first call will be to you. And I can just feel him rolling his eyes on the other end of the line, you know, like really. Okay. Thanks. So I, I was like, sorry about that. She's like, Oh, don't worry about it. She's like, you know, just gotta be nice to everybody. That was, you know, kind of her thing. So a few years go by and, uh, I meet Eric church and, um, he has cut some sides also. And, uh, with Brett Beavers also, and I'm shopping them around and I, you know, per my instructions, I phoned Joe Galani or really Donna, I guess at the time. And I get, and I call and say, I'd like to bring an artist over. And you know, five minutes goes by and Renee Bell's blowing my phone up. Like, why are you going around me? I'm the head of A&R here. Bring, you know, Joe is a president. I'm the head of A&R. I was like, Hey, I'm sorry. I'm just doing what I was told to do. <laughs> no, you know, I'm, I'm happy to bring it to you. You learned how to step on toes pretty quick is what I'm hearing. I didn't. <laughs> I don't try to. You know, I'm an honest guy, yeah. you know, like, you know, I will get sideways with people on occasion, but it'll be because I tell them what I think. And I'm not trying to be a jerk or anything, but, um, you know, it's, it's hard. In this business, we disappoint people. And, yeah. and I just try to be honest when I can. And I don't like being treated like crap by anybody uh, who does. But. I take Eric over there. They pass. She kind of is into it, kind of in. And she passes on it. And I call back and I call Joe. And I said, hey, man, you guys are missing this one. This guy is good. And I was confident that Eric was good. And so I got banned from the building. 
Well, why that was would the they second ban time. You? That was the second time I got banned from because Renee was pissed that I called Joe, and so she's like, "You're done. If I'm in a meeting over there, you're not to be in it. You're not to come over here and pitch us songs." I'd go and tell Donna, "Hey, I'm banned from RCA. That's a great thing to tell your boss." And she was like, "We got four other people that can handle RCA." Donna was good to you, man. Donna and Woody were amazing to me. Yeah. I mean, amazing. So you you got Erica's deal, obviously, at, at Capitol, where he still is, because that's gone through some transitions, but um, he's still over there. What made you so confident that he was the guy? Like, you, you just had this gut, you know, you had Dirks, you had Eric. I don't know what, what the timelines are when you worked with Miranda and some of the other ones, but in your mind, what made you go, I got to sign this guy, and how did you find it? Um, I found him. This is another kind of funny story I've told, and I'll keep it brief. Perry Howard. And Perry had sent me someone that uh, was not very good, and I'd gotten on him. I was like, come on, dude. You can't. Don't send me bullshit. You know, I'm at Sony. Send me the good shit. And uh, he's like, oh, I'm sorry, man. I just, I just, she's been begging to get a meeting over there. And I, and I was like, eh. I was like, you're in timeout. And I was kind of messing with him, but kind of serious too. And I love Perry. And Perry called me uh, and said, hey, man, I want you to meet with this kid. He's your kind of guy. You'll like him. And I was like, nope. You're in timeout, Perry. I'm not taking any, I'm not taking any meetings with you. And he's like, come on, man. He's like, And, you know, he pleaded with me and said, look, man, if you don't at least think the guy was worth the meeting, I'll never call you again. Wow. I was like, I was put, like, it on the, put it on the table. He did. And Perry so. deserves uh, all the credit for my introduction to Eric. Then it's just a matter of Eric coming in and he played lightning. You know, he played me lightning and I was like, who'd you write that with? He goes, I wrote it by myself. And I was like, well, I'll sign you. Yeah, you guys were made for each other for sure. So what what point did you guys start to, you know, you were at Universal South, as you said, the dark years. But when did you two go, all right, we just need to do our own company? When did, when did that start happening? We, I mean, the day I went to Capitol, it was always like, we're going to do something together. Um and it was never like I never didn't believe it. And, uh, and like I said, when Chief hit, he was like, before I went to Olay, um, I thought I had a deal with someone. And Eric was involved in that uh, with a pro football player. Had dinner with him. He was all about it. Uh, Eric, we were going to sign, you know, Eric was going to be signing number one. Eric wasn't even looking to be an owner in that thing. Uh, he was just going to write for me. I mean, he just, uh, you know, I'm his song guy. You know, that's it, I'm his friend. But at the end of the day, man, I'm his song guy. Like he, that's my value to him. I think. Um, so he didn't bat an eye when when it, when the time came and he knew he was flush and he had some cash. He said, "Let's go. Let's do it." more about Little Louder, your current publishing company. We thank you for going down the rabbit trail of some A&R stuff, but like, what is, uh, what's driving the company these days? Like, what, what is your, you said it's your baby, your love. So what is it that uh, you've got going on these days and what, how do you see the future coming with uh, Little Louder? Um, we are in our ninth year right now and uh, we have, we have had 10 number ones so far. We are not really a volume uh, mass publisher um, our 
my goal has been uh, really to kind of have a kind of a non-transient publishing company where my team is my team and we don't have, you know, two or three guys leaving and two or three people coming on every year. Like we were really a pretty solid group of guys, uh, of people. I don't mean guys, although we currently do not have a female writer. Um, it is hard to get cuts. It is hard to break a new songwriter. Um, and it takes time. So I've, what I try to do is just make smart deals. You know, like all the writers that we have at little louder would fall into the category of no one knew about them or wanted them, or they really wanted to be a little louder. Uh, we, we haven't outbid anyone. Um, and we've had a lot of people come by that, uh, hit writers that are really interested in, in what we do and how we do it. Um, but you know, the deals don't make sense. You know, I gotta, we, we, we are not a joint venture. We are just, just a company trying to make good deals, uh, develop people. And what I would say I'd be proud of is that, uh, is that really that my guys are there for a long time. You know, I've just extended Jeff. I just extended Luke. Um, I've signed Ryan Tyndall to three different places and have done probably eight deals with them at this point in my life. I don't know. Um, and, I, and I hope to do eight more, you know, it's just, it's my guy. I don't need him to get, uh, 20 cuts a year, but he's gonna, you know, and, and Ryan never will probably cause he doesn't write enough to do that. Uh, <laughs> but what he does write, I think is brilliant and I'm a huge fan of it. And, and, uh, and I believe in it and I believe in all, all of our guys. We have, we have seven singles right now. That's as good as we've ever done, I think, for a little company. And some of those will be hits, and some of them probably won't be. Um, but if we can keep doing that, then... Well, you know, I love that philosophy. If you look around the town, you know, I've been an independent publisher my entire career. Um, and the ones that have more of that philosophy that are not just buying NPS or that are focused on those long-term break-em careers, you look at, like... Big Yellow Dog. I'll throw Big Machine in there. They're 10 years old. Uh, Rusty's this music until he sold it. Same philosophy. You didn't see Rusty signing a bunch of writers. He believed in the ones he signed completely. Maybe even longer than he should at times, but till they hit. And uh, I think that's a, an amazing philosophy. And, uh, you know, do you, do you split? I'll ask one more question of that. Do you, are you more... I know you got writers, you got producers, and you've got some artists. Is there a mix that you look at for that, or does it just hit you? Like, I know you've got the new kid, Jackson Dean, who in full transparency has also signed a Big Machine uh, Records, and uh, and I think the guy's crazy talented. But do you look for a particular mix, or is it just whoever comes in the door that you're like, I got to work with that person? I don't know, really. I'm trying to think of like how the last few signings came. You know, Jackson was definitely – uh, Jay Williams called me up and I was in the studio with Charlie Worsham um, and my phone was blowing up and I kept hitting, you know, sorry, I can't talk right now. And then I got a text, dude, call me. And Jay is one of the heads at William Morris Endeavor. Um, he and I came up together. He's one of my best friends in, in the business. And he's like, man, there's a kid in my office. I don't even know if we're going to be able to sign him, but he is he, he is your kind of guy. And I think he's got some offers already, but 
you need to work with them. And I was like, all right, you know, you know, give me his info. He was leaving town the next day. Him and his parents came over and I talked to Jackson, uh, heard some of his songs. I heard his voice, you know, and saw him play. Sign me up. You know, I was like, and then, you know, it's one of those things where we're on the sale mode a little bit, like trying to sell ourselves, which is what I'm not good at. Uh, and that's where like the history comes in and stuff. And, you know, he's, he likes, you know, Eric is a better guy to have on the wall in those situations than some other artists would be. I, I think it's fair to say. Um, so we, we got that. I, I know that from the past, I like my, the kind of writer that I'm drawn to is typically a really good picker, uh, and a really good singer. And most of those people naturally are really good with melodies because of the other two. Uh, Jeff Hyde is that. Yeah. Ryan Tyndall is that. Uh, Brett Beavers was that. Luke. Uh, Luke <laughs> is that. Um, Casey is a much better player than, than people probably think, but Casey is just kind of on a different uh, – he's just a grown-ass man songwriter. Like, it just – we're having so much fun with Casey right now. Um, as some of the bro-ness has gone away, it's been really, that was not, that didn't hit our sweet spot to put it yeah. mildly at our, at our place. So that's the kind of writer I think I'm never looking for a certain kind. I did have a, uh, I got a call from someone. There was a, a, a big hit writer was leaving her deal and I do a lot of business with her and I know her and I think the world of her. But if she wasn't happy at where she was, then she wasn't going to be happy with me. <laughs> Sometimes that's the best decision to make. I've had a few of those in my yeah. career where, you know, like they're not making you happy. I'm probably not going to make you happy. We try to make big boy deals, you know, and just like, look, man, here's the deal. I'm your partner. You don't write for me. You know, I don't work for you. You're my partner. If, if you make some money, I make some money. That's it. So there's zero reason for me to sugarcoat anything I'm telling you. You know, I, I might not be right about what I'm saying, but it's coming from a place of, hey, man, let's win together. Um, so I think more people could probably benefit from that approach. I mean, that's what we're that's what we're doing. We're all big adults now. You know, let's remove our feelings and get to work. The AIMP National Pubcast is hosted by yours truly, Tim Hunty, executive producer, Travis Myatt, producer, Brandon Harrington, mixing and editing by Casey Porter. And this has been a Dime Collective production.